Welcome to the Three Martini Lunch. Grab a stool next to Greg Corumbus of Radio America and Jim Garrity of National Review. Three Martinis coming up. Hope you had a great weekend. Thank you for being here today. Your stool is ready. We've got two good martinis to start off the week. So hopefully that's a good omen that this will be a good week for conservatives. Uh, Jim, the first bit of good news actually comes from Saturday. It was Election Day in a number of places in Texas, including in the 6th Congressional District. Uh, Ron Wright had been the uh, congressman from Texas, a Republican. He died of covid Uh, in February, and so there was a special election to replace him. And the good news here is uh, that in Texas, they've started doing these jungle primaries, which I'm not a big fan of, I must say, but in this case, we'll we'll take the result because in these jungle primaries, the top two vote-getters advance to the runoff, regardless of party. It's not necessarily a Republican and a Democrat, and in fact, this time it'll be two Republicans. Uh, This is from uh, the local NBC5 affiliate in Dallas-Fort Worth, uh, which is where the district is. A runoff for Texas's 6th Congressional District is set between Republican Susan Wright, whose husband uh, is the one who died, and State Representative Jake Elzey. Uh, Elzey narrowly edged out uh, Janelyn Sanchez by about 354 votes. She is not contesting the fact that she lost, though. She says uh, we still have a way to go. Her campaign came up short. So there will be Republican versus Republican there. That uh, race will be coming up in a number of weeks. And then a lot of folks are also very happy that in what was believed to be a bitterly divided town over anti-racist curriculum and so forth, uh, I believe it was South Lake, Texas, that uh, by 70 to 30 percent, uh, the people who don't want uh, the woke curriculum uh, ended up winning. So folks are seeing this as, as a pushback already, Jim, against uh, uh, full Democratic control in Washington and uh, an, an aggressive push culturally nationwide. So uh, what do you make of it? Yeah, well, the first thing on the, the education races, you really it's fascinating to watch how thoroughly the national media will insist that this is simply anti-racism education. <laughs> There's never any specifics about the curriculum. There's never any reference, never about the 1619 project or anything like that. No, no, it's always just anti, oh, those terrible voters. They voted against anti-racism. Greg, can you believe it? Right. Yeah. Uh, but I'll talk a little bit more about the, the house race which, race, which I think is the more uh, intriguing one. This is a district where Biden lost by three percentage points in 2020. So technically it's a Trump district, but it's a fairly close Trump district. And I think he won by like 12 points, by a significantly larger margin in 2016 than he did in 2020. So you figure for Democrats, if you're going to gain ground in uh, in Texas, this is the kind of suburban district you're going to do it. And what's more is, you know, we could argue, you could argue, oh, we shouldn't read too much into this because it's a special house election. It's being held in May. There are 23 candidates uh, you know, it's a jungle primary. Okay, fine. But those are all factors that also make it kind of lower hanging fruit for the Democrats. And a very intriguing factor, the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee really didn't play in this district. They really didn't put any funds. They really didn't put any effort into it. And so when the DCCC doesn't want to play in a district that went for the Biden came within three in the suburbs, I kind of think this is a sign you know, where I've always been scoffing at, oh, Texas is going to turn blue and all kind of stuff. But this this is among the lower hanging fruit Democrats in Texas are going to find. And when the DCCC didn't even bother, I think that says to us that they really are focused entirely on defense in 2022. There aren't really that many Republican seats that were all that vulnerable in, uh, in after the 2020 elections. And again, you know, the idea of like, oh, it's a special election. Okay, 
Charles Deju ran a well, won a, a house seat in Hawaii for a couple of months in a special election. I want to say it was like 2009 or something like that. Uh, after Anthony Weiner, uh, Republicans won his New York City district. The re- you know, like special elections are opportunities to win seats that you really have no business of winning. And this is you know one of those things where the Democrats, if they had candidates, they came not that far away. It was like 250 some votes from getting somebody into that uh, uh, midterm election, but uh, or, or from getting into that uh, that runoff. But it's kind of I think it really is an indicator of. Uh, if not momentum in the House, just simply the mentality of Democrats as they approach these House races next year, an indication of the fact like they just don't, apparently they aren't worried, either they're worried about their resources, um, there certainly is not a big you know, surge in Democratic turnout. Um, I think we're going to have fairly low turnout special elections between now and uh, November 2022. And that's probably going to work out okay for Republicans. They have a little bit, you know, I mean, most of the seats that are having special elections the next couple of months aren't particularly competitive. But uh, I think it's an early indicator that Democrats do not feel good and will just not going to be on offense in many districts in 2022, which I think makes the odds of a Republican takeover a little bit higher, Craig. Well, I hope so. I mean, they're not that far away. Uh, I know there were a lot of very close races that all tended to tilt towards Republicans, and that made the gap uh, quite a bit narrower. I don't know if we'll be able to hold on to all of those. But uh, we've seen it so many times over the years that when a, uh, a year of national elections goes you know, pretty well for one party, even though it's very close, Democrats hold the House, they find a way to tie up the Senate and have the tiebreaker because of the narrow win in the presidential race. At that point, a lot of Democrats are kind of like, okay. And the Republicans have done that too. And then the next time contested elections roll around, you get you get walloped because you don't have that same uh, intensity. And so we'll see if that mm-hmm. happens in Virginia and New Jersey this year for uh, for Democrats as well. But uh, uh, at least in Texas, uh, things are, are going well. Uh, you mentioned the uh, the fight over definitions like anti-racism, Jim. Uh, my daughter, who's in second grade, is learning the difference uh, between different um, reference materials. And one of them is dictionary versus glossary. And so my wife is, uh, says, do you have a dictionary? And I'm like, yeah, it's over on the bookshelf. And so then I see my, my daughter working with it. And I'm like, don't lose that. That dictionary is from when I was in college. And back then, the words actually meant what they meant. So I really want to hang on to that. Thing. <laughs> yeah. They can't update the paper versions. You know, they can't, you know, just reload it. And oh, well, all of a sudden, the, the definition of the word changed. <laughs> yes, exactly. All right. Well, let's talk about uh, something else that uh, can change, and that is how you protect your online activity. Have you ever browsed in what's known as incognito mode or some other way that you're supposedly not being able to track by your giant internet provider? Well, incognito might not be as incognito as you think. They're still tracking you. In fact, Google is uh, the subject of a $5 billion class action lawsuit. But the bottom line here is that incognito does not mean invisible. So how do you actually make yourself as invisible as possible online? Easy. ExpressVPN. It turns out that even in incognito mode, your online activity still gets tracked and data brokers still get to buy and sell your data. Now, one of these data points is your IP address. Data harvesters use your IP to uniquely identify you and your location. But with ExpressVPN, your connection gets rerouted through an encrypted server and your IP address is masked. Every time you connect to ExpressVPN, you get a random IP address shared by many other ExpressVPN customers. That makes it harder for third parties to identify you or harvest your data. Best of all, ExpressVPN is super easy to use. No matter what device you're on, whether it's a phone or a laptop or a smart TV, 
All you have to do is tap one button for instant protection. So if you really want to go incognito and protect your privacy, secure yourself with the number one rated VPN. Visit expressvpn.com slash martini and get three extra months for free. That's expressvpn.com slash martini. Again, expressvpn.com slash martini. Protect yourself today. All right, Jim, on to our second good martini now. And today is a good Joe Manchin day. It's actually from Friday, uh, but uh, it happened, I believe, after we recorded on Friday. Joe Manchin has come out against the House legislation that would grant statehood to the District of Columbia. And, of course, the real point of the uh, legislation is to get two more Democratic senators as well as another uh, Democratic member of the House who can actually vote. They have a delegate in the House but uh, cannot vote on the floor. So uh, Manchin telling a West Virginia radio station Friday he opposes that bill, and obviously that deals a blow uh, to the Democratic efforts in the Senate. I don't know how they would have gotten to 60 anyway. I don't think you can ram that through with reconciliation, but I'm sure Schumer would have tried. Uh, Manchin says the proper way to decide D.C.'s future is through an amendment to the Constitution and not simply by passing a law that would be challenged in the Supreme Court. He's referring to the 23rd Amendment adopted back in 1961, which recognized Washington's autonomy by awarding the city three electoral college votes. So, Jim, I think this is his really polite way of saying this is never going to happen as long as I have the power to stop it, because he knows not only now will it die in the Senate, uh, we're nowhere close to ever being uh, at a point where this will pass two thirds in both chambers of Congress and get approved by three quarters of the states. Yeah. And while we don't know, we don't have a perfect crystal ball, it's very hard to believe that uh, if and when Joe Manchin decides to hang it up, you figure Republicans would have the advantage in any race to secede him in an open seat race. So um, barring some you know, huge Senate gains for the Democrats in other places, and you know, we, if a forecast for 2022 is pretty murky, got a reason to feel a little worried about um, Pennsylvania. We'll see how things shake out in Ohio and, and Missouri. Probably going to be some tough primary fights there. Um, but you look at all that, you know, this, this is not you're not going to likely to have a solid Democratic majority who will all vote, by the way, to dilute their own votes by two votes, by giving two votes to the two, two Senate seats to the District of Columbia. And who knows, maybe two more Senate seats to the Puerto Rico, which at least has kind of a stronger argument, I would argue. Anyway, the um, you lay all that out. It is a good sign. I think the. Um, a lot of Democrats kind of went into the Biden administration and realizing, wow, we've got the Senate majority. And I'm making air quotes as I say that, the 50-50 split. Now we can do all these things. You really can't because having 50 uh, Democrats in the chamber does not mean you're going to have 50 Democratic votes for any one of these ideas. And no, for all of her, whatever you think of her, you're not going to see Lisa Murkowski flip on this. You're not going to see Susan Collins flip on this. So uh, this idea appears to be dead for the foreseeable future. And thank goodness. And, you know, it's not like the country doesn't have other problems we need to worry about right now. Yeah. Now, Susan Collins, I saw publicly, was a hard no on this. I don't know about uh, Murkowski. She's got enough issues in her re-election fight if she even decides to run for another term up in Alaska. Mitt Romney had a plan of uh, making most of D.C. part of Maryland and then just giving them an extra House seat that you'd have to take away from somewhere else. I don't think that would fly with most Republicans either, but uh, they'll just leave like the official part of town as the District of Columbia. But uh, again, that's... Uh, Probably not going to go very far. But uh, you know what can go very far, Jim, is your money when you get this deal from MyPillow. Uh, we've talked about the MyPillow towels before, and today we've got a massive deal for you. The six-piece towel sets regularly sell 
for $109.99, so about $110. Today, you can get them for $44.98, a savings of more than $65. Now, my pillow towel sets are made from proprietary technology. They are highly absorbent. They are soft without that lotion-y feel. They're made with cotton grown in, right here in the United States. They're available in a variety of colors, and they have a 60-day money-back guarantee and a one-year limited warranty. Each set includes two bath sheets, two hand towels, and one two-pack washcloth. These are just fantastic towels, as we've said before. So soft, so fluffy, super, super absorbent. Love these towels. Go to MyPillow.com and click on the radio listener square, enter the promo code MARTINI, or call 800-874-0104. While you're there, take advantage of the deep discounts on all MyPillow products, including the Giza Dream bed sheets, the MyPillow premium pillows, and the new My Slippers. We've talked about those a lot lately. Get your MyPillow six-piece towel set for only $44.98, and only with our promo code MARTINI. Call 800-874-0104 or visit MyPillow.com today. All right, Jim, there's lots of things we love. We love genuine good news for conservatives. We love things that are genuinely good for America. And if we can't get those, we at least love liberals and lefties fighting with each other. And this time it's the Biden administration fighting with the ACLU and probably others. Uh, This is from the Daily Wire. The Biden administration is expected to announce a proposal to ban menthol cigarettes later this week, Uh, a move that some groups have been wanting for a long time, while others say it will lead to more incarceration and negatively impact communities of color. The ACLU and other groups sent a letter to the Biden administration earlier this week pushing back against a potential ban on menthol cigarettes. The group said that such a move would, quote, disproportionately impact people and communities of color, trigger criminal penalties and lead to negative interactions with law enforcement. The letter pointed to the cases of Eric Garner, Michael Brown and George Floyd as situations where cigarettes were involved adding that well-intentioned efforts to continue to reduce death and disease from tobacco products must avoid solutions that will create yet another reason for armed police to engage citizens on the street based on pretext or conduct that does not pose a threat to public safety. So, Jim, the idea from the Biden administration here is that the uh, big tobacco companies have cravenly targeted predominantly minority communities because menthol cigarettes are, are most popular there. And so to end this uh, scourge of uh, race-based marketing, they're going to ban menthol cigarettes. But as we've talked about before, anything you're going to make illegal, you uh, are essentially giving law enforcement the power to use force to uh, enforce that law. And so by only going after menthol cigarettes, the ACLU's actually got a point here. Maybe not about uh, their attitudes towards policing, but, but by singling out this particular type of cigarettes. You know, Greg, this is going to be really tough to enforce once they abolish the police, too. Just keep that in mind. Um, so one of the things that jumps out here, so I, I you know, I don't smoke. Uh, I've told my kids I don't want them to smoke. I'm not a smoker. Um, so obviously I want to discourage people from doing things, but I don't want everything that is bad or necessarily harmful to people to be banned under the force of law because, you know, we went through this whole thing with, with prohibition and it did not turn out well. Uh, you know, if we try to ban everything that's bad for people, you generally end up creating more problems than you solve. Uh, fatty foods, right? You know, there's, there's all kinds of things that people do that are, are not necessarily good for them or healthy. Now, here's the thing. Is there anybody out there who is under acting under the impression that cigarette smoking or, or even, you know, any kind of tobacco smoking isn't harmful to them? Is there anybody, you know, any teenager, any young person, any old person acting under the uh, erroneous assumption 
that inhaling smoke is not that bad for them. When in fact, if you ever hear about a terrible fire, many of the people die of smoke inhalation. Right? I think that'd be the first clue. This is not something good for you, but people choose to do it. They do it because, you know, who knows why they do it? They choose to do it because they all look cool, peer pressure, they're trying to rebel. I think most people, by the time they encounter a cigarette and the opportunity to smoke a cigarette, they know the risks. I don't know if menthol is necessarily more dangerous than other. I do think the argument of the ACLU is pretty accurate. I've heard a bunch of people who are uh, more into smoking than I am say, oh, yes, this is these brands and these types are much more popular amongst African-Americans than uh, uh, than other kinds. You know, I don't know how you get around, how you square this circle, so to speak. Uh, we would say, well, in order to save the African-American community, we're going to criminalize this this activity that's popular among them. And we're just going to hope that law enforcement does not end up <laughs> doing this. Now, I suppose to point out the the. Um, uh, the law does not actually criminalize the possession of menthol cigarettes, only the sale or transport. So I guess if, you, if you've got them, it's fine. Now, here's the problem. Once you ban something or once you say you're not allowed to, it's against the law to transport it or to uh, manufacture it or to sell it, you create a black market for this. And, you know, this is going, I have no doubt that you're going to be able to find this under the table, in back rooms. You know, it's not this good. You know, demand is not going to go away for this. So I'm, I'm really not sure how much the Biden administration thought through on this. I think there's a lot of, um, I think tobacco companies have proven to be a really convenient enemy for a lot of people. And uh, if you haven't watched it already, the uh, film version of the fantastic Christopher Buckley novel, Thank You for Smoking. Yes. No, I did not misspeak. The title is not Thank You for Not Smoking. The title is Thank You for Smoking about the infamous tobacco industry lobbyist, Nick Naylor, um, really takes a very even keeled often very mute it's a hilariously funny film but also is a uh kind of the closing message is uh kind of kind of informed consent right you know we should make sure everybody knows about the potential health risks and, and the consequences of that and if they choose to do that then we should leave them alone and let them choose to do that uh, i don't know if i'd apply that thinking to every drug but i certainly think this you know this growing sense of trying to criminalize tobacco use is probably not going to end any better for us than prohibition of alcohol. So uh, I don't know if I know what the, I, I can't quite grasp, you know, I think Biden is just on, and his team are just on this, well, tobacco is bad, so we'll do this. And they're not thinking two steps down the road. And I think that at least the ACLU recognizes, well, if you criminalize stuff, you get more police arresting people. And this administration and many Democrats have seen at least a, a mixed attitude towards that sort of thing. So We'll see how things shake out, uh, uh, Greg. But I have a sneaking suspicion that like a year or two from now, we'll be saying, hey, we warned you guys. Exactly. Now that you mentioned thank you for smoking, all I can think of is the dinners of the merchants of death. But it's also the rise of Aaron Eckhart. That was a big uh, step in his career, uh, eventually becoming uh, Two-Face in the Batman movies. Um, but uh, so what's going to happen here, Jim? Because, of course, smoking is evil. Smoking marijuana is good, so we're gonna have menthol-flavored weed soon, right? Is that is that how this is gonna turn out? <laughs> That's a good question. What, what's their attitude on that? You know, unbelievable. It's amazing how one is just thoroughly demonized, and the other one is now everybody's supposedly for, even though neither one of them is probably good for you. All right, Jim. Happy Monday. See you tomorrow. See you tomorrow, Greg. Jim Garrity, National Review. I'm Greg Columbus, Radio America. Thanks for being with us today. Uh, don't forget to subscribe to the Three Martini Lunch podcast if you haven't already. We're also grateful for any uh, five-star ratings or kind reviews you're able to give us. Those are very helpful. Also, get us on those home devices. All you have to say is play Three Martini Lunch podcast. Follow us on Twitter. He's at Jim Garrity. I'm at Dateline underscore DC. Have a great Monday, and please join us Tuesday for the next Three Martini Lunch.
We are living in difficult times where people fear having thought-provoking conversations about pressing issues. And although we're in the midst of an information explosion, there are a lot of forces aiming to distort what's true. I created The Bill Walton Show to provide a forum for in-depth, thought-provoking conversations with leaders, artists, entrepreneurs, and thinkers. Please join me at thebillwaltonshow.com to explore what's true, what's right, and what's next.